Thanks for joining us for this episode of Talking Talent. I'm Nicole Fuqua. You're listening to our audio series where we dig into issues related to talent acquisition. Today, we're talking about a question that most employers ask. It's how many requisitions should a recruiter carry? Unemployment in the U.S. is at its lowest level in decades, while hiring is at record levels. This means that for nearly all roles, the competition for talent is intense. So talent acquisition teams have more jobs to fill, and those jobs are harder than ever to fill. So in turn, HR leaders and recruiting teams are under intense pressure. Given this reality, how many recs should recruiters be carrying? At what point should an HR leader make the case to add more recruiters? And what's the downside of a requisition load that includes too many or too few? To answer these questions, joining us are Linda Brenner and Tom McGuire, the co-founders and managing directors of Talent Growth Advisors. TGA is not your traditional consulting shop. They provide a mashup of finance and talent management expertise to clients including AT&T, Coca-Cola, Delta, and more. Linda leads client success efforts for talent growth advisors and gets personally involved in talent strategy design, talent acquisition process improvement work, and recruiter skills assessment and development. She's passionate about defining what good looks like and helping TGA's clients take concrete, measurable, and staged steps to get there. Prior to starting an earlier iteration of the firm in 2004, Linda led operations, talent acquisition, and talent management teams for Gap, Pepsi, and Home Depot. Her last job at Home Depot was leading talent acquisition. Tom helps the firm's clients connect business value, intellectual capital, and talent so they can make smarter people investments. Prior to co-founding TGA, Tom led global talent acquisition for Coca-Cola for a total of 10 years. He also worked around the globe for Coke in senior finance, marketing, and operation roles. He left Coke for a time to become CFO and then international president of Revlon. At the beginning of his career, Tom volunteered with the Peace Corps in El Salvador. Now, today we have a slightly different format for our discussion. I'm just going to turn this over completely to Linda and Tom as they discuss and debate the big question of our episode, how many recs should a recruiter carry? So, Linda and Tom, I'll hand this over to you. Great. We are excited to talk about this topic. It's a favorite among our clients, too. Tom, would you say this is the number one question we get asked, how many requisitions should a recruiter hold? Right up there at the top, um, because regardless, you know, I mean, the, uh, the big metrics you hear all the time are around quality, speed, cost of hiring. And at the end of the day, all of those metrics really boil down to this, what I'm going to call an operational metric. How many recs are a, is, is a recruiter handling? Because the whatever the answer to that question is and whatever the, the right answer is how many should they be carrying is going to affect all those uh, those um, those other metrics I just mentioned. Right. And I feel like people really struggle with this. I mean, I think the business thinks recruiters should be able to carry a big rec load and it should be variable. And they get very impatient when leaders ask for more headcount. And I think the belief is that they can just do more. And um, why is that? Why, why is that the case, do you think? 
Well, I mean, I, I, I think on the one hand, you know, if you sit back and have a rational conversation with leaders or with HR people, they all they understand um, at some level that that recruiting and and really any other um, work that is is like recruiting is is a you know it's it's enabled by a combination of people, process, and technology. Um, but knowing that rationally, you know, when it gets, when, you know, it gets down to brass tacks and you're, and you're in the middle of operations or budgeting, the, the most visible cost in all of that is probably people. And so it's all, it all always seems to boil down to, um, you know, are my people carrying the right number of, of requisitions, uh, you know, because of the tide and that lowers my cost. Um, but I think intuitively they also understand when it's low or when it's, um, yeah, when it's low that, you know, you, you can, you'll end up with better quality, better measurements, but it's a, it's a bat, it's a, it's kind of a budget battle, I think, um, at some level. Right. And I think our clients get frustrated because we always answer the question with, it depends. It depends. <laughs> Right. And they get annoyed and I would get annoyed too. So what does it depend on? Well, it does depend on, um, you know, I mean, we've, we've designed this recruiter record calculator and it, you know, at least when we've boiled it down, um, you know, we've, there are a lot of factors and, and sometimes they go by different names and, you know, we just boiled it down to 25 to these 25 factors that we think about. And it's, you know, it, there there are external factors, um, and a lot of those are out of our control. They're out of any anyone's control. Like, you know, what geography are you located in? Because you know, the talent landscape might be be different in different geographies. You know, what are the labor market conditions? What are e, what's the economic climate? All of those external factors, you know, impact uh, the the workload, the 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 ideal workload for for a recruiter, but those are, you know, those are uncontrollable. Now, the other external factors, things like a company's reputation and competition, those are hard to impact uh, in the short run. Uh, They are external, uh, but, you know, we, we can get into this as we have the conversation, but things like, you know, our employment branding can impact some of those external the, the vast majority of these factors are internal and they're going to intersect with, uh, with, you know, with process, with how hiring managers are involved or not. Um, so there's, yeah, uh, a lot of different, a lot of different things. Um, but, you know, I think we've done a good job of narrowing it down to the 25 most important. Right. And our, recruiter workload calculator that you mentioned that's available on our website. I think for a lot of recruiters I've talked to about it and recruiting leaders, they feel vindicated because I think they recognize, and certainly many, many HR and business leaders do too, that this is more complicated than we want it to be, more complicated than in the past perhaps we thought it was. Um, But this is, this really shows, to your point, um, these different factors that can affect the rec load that a recruiter should carry. And this isn't supposed to be an exact science, and you could spend probably the rest of your life 
adding nuance onto it and trying to make it um, 16 recs or 42 recs. But clearly it depends on the level of the job, the availability of talent. And, and you're right, if it's a company that's going through a, a lot of um, difficult PR issues, it's going to be harder to win talent than a company that is seen as a great place to work consistently. Um, but in my view, when I look at this, it's really about process efficiencies and the practices that recruiters are either directed to do or choose to do. Well, um, yeah, no, you're exactly right, Linda, because, I mean, it's, it's easy for someone, a manager or a leader, to think, you know, these, these recruiters, they just have to work harder. But the, the, you know, while everyone probably met a recruiter that uh, maybe actually wasn't working as hard as they can, the vast majority that we've seen, and we see a lot, they, they are right. working very hard. Um, but if they're working very hard in, env- in an environment where the process isn't clearly understood, where hiring managers um, aren't playing the best role that they can play, where where the requirements for positions in a company, you know, might might for good reasons, um, you know, uh, be difficult uh, in the marketplace to 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 find, um, and you know, maybe technology is not appropriately supporting what they do. There, there, a, a recruiter can't work harder to overcome those things. Um, in all cases. And um, at the end of the day, um, if you overload them in an environment where, uh, where, you know, they're, they're, you know, they've got some limitations on them, especially uh, if you overload them, then the quality is just going to go downhill. Right. So what's a recruiter or a recruiting leader to do when they're operating in an inefficient environment? I mean, in reality, in in many companies, recruiters are trying to, their best to respond to hiring managers' requests or demands or preferences, and that often means that recruiters are doing different things with different hiring managers day in and day out. So we we you know we sometimes tell our clients, you could have the most magical, amazing, skilled, experienced, compensated recruiters in the world, but they're never going to be able to do as much as they could because the practices or the process or the technology. But, you know, nobody can wait around till all that stuff is perfect. So if I'm a recruiter or a recruiting leader operating in an imperfect environment, what are the kinds of things I can do to start influencing change in these areas? Now, well, that's a good question. I mean, the, the the one thing that you should not do is fall into the trap of just accepting the way that things are. Um, and it, I mean, a lot of recruiters burn themselves out when they um, when they you know feel like they just have to put their head down, live with the status quo, and you know do do what they can. And especially if they're you know conscientious conscientious people and, you know, trying to perform well, though they will burn themselves out. So what they do need to do is to constructively, um, you know, 
start the conversation with their organization about what you were just talking about, about the, you know, the process, um, what, you know, what, what is it that's not working well? Um, One recruiter can't solve this on their own. So they've, uh, you know, any one of them um, has to take the initiative to pull a team together um, to uh, kind of get like minds to, um, to, to be motivated enough to take on it. It usually boils down to process design. Uh, So it's, you know, it's going to boil down to, what does the process look like? What's the most efficient way for us as a team to deliver the best talent for the organization? Um, the other crap, other than you know, just kind of trying to live with status quo, is to over-advocate for new technology. Um, have you ever seen that be the best solution, Linda? We worked together on a client a few years ago that when we inventoried all their technology, it was over 50 different tools and technologies, all told. And was that making it better? No. (laughs) No, we have not seen technology fix process problems or problems with hiring managers or problem with org design or any of that. Yeah. And the bottom line is, is that if an organization um, has uh, a process in place that they're, you know, they're they're satisfied with, but it's not the most efficient process. They're going to have to require more recruiting hours. They're going to have to require more recruiters, and it's going to be a higher cost than if they had the most efficient process in place. Because you know, again, you know, these are kind of benchmarks, but we always think about it as, as you know, if, if you can handle 50 recs and you're doing high volume recruiting, you know, if, if you've got a very efficient process, you can, you can handle 50 recs um, and, 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 and still make the quality hires, um, you know, tap into the right, um, the right pools of talent, get the job done in time. But if you've got a, a, a process that is inefficient, you know, that could easily drop in half. Uh, and, right. and then you go on down the line with professional recruiting, you know, handling 10 recs in a, in a very inefficient environment might be, you know, the most a recruiter can handle. I mean, is that how you see that? I think it is. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially if you've got jobs for which there is scarce talent available in the marketplace and then throw on that a dash of you're a privately held company and nobody knows really what you do. You're you're not well known, even though you might be a terrific organization. Um, yeah, these are the kinds of factors that 10 might be too much. Um, but in other environments, you're right. A rec load of 25 uh, or 28 could be could be right for professional jobs. Yeah, it's hard. I mean, what would you say is the number one most frequently seen thing 
that impedes the efficiency and effectiveness of recruiters, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think the number one thing, what I see the most often is going to be, it's going to be somewhere in that area of the relationship with hiring managers. And, um, you know, there are a number of key points along the, if you think of the end-to-end process for recruiting, uh, where recruiter interfaces with hiring managers that, that can be extremely inefficient. And that can range from things like, you know, a hiring manager, hiring managers open uh, an inordinate number of requisitions that end up getting canceled, pulled back. Yeah. Now, in any recruiting situation, you are going to have requisitions that get opened and then get canceled. That's just, you know, that's life, that's business. But when hiring managers don't have the discipline and they're not coached really uh, and advised by, by recruiting teams, there's, you know, there's, they don't realize what the downside is from uh, kind of wasted time. And I've seen organizations that, you know, 40% of the requisitions that are open end up being canceled. So that's a big one. And, it, you know, that's obviously something that happens way up front in the process. You can get, you know, you can get to, to, to places like getting from, you know, identifying a candidate that a hiring manager wants to be interviewed to the actual interviews taking place because of mm-hmm. cancellations, rescheduling, that can go on forever. And, and, and that's not just extending the time line. Uh, that, I mean, that, you know, you could almost live with that sometimes, but you lose candidates. And so, and so you're starting all over again in some cases. So those are the kinds right. of, you know, there are, there are probably 10 different uh, places where hiring managers and recruiters can have a very inefficient setup. And that, for me, that's the biggest, uh, biggest factor in this whole reckless. Right. Yeah, I'd like to believe that if I was a recruiter and I was working in an environment where hiring managers just opened up racks, there was no position control, it was a pretty low barrier to, to doing that. And if they were being honest, they would say, well, I don't know how long it's going to take to fill these jobs. So I have two of them, but I'm just going to say I have four. Um, I mean, we've seen all kinds of crazy behavior. I'd like to think if I was a recruiter, I would, I would want to make a case with data to the right person to say, look, over the six months, the last six months, we've had 42% of our recs canceled at some point yeah. after approval and, and some escalate that to somebody to say, what can we do to solve this? problem together. Now, the solution is probably convoluted, and there's probably a lot that needs to be done in terms of um, changing the hiring manager's behavior, building credibility for the recruiters, changing the approval process. You know, there's all kinds of things, but um, I think there are conversations that recruiters can have in advance of a situation when you know it's probably heading that way. Another Another thing that we see a lot is interviewing inefficiencies. I mean, at best, that's putting it nicely. 
But, you know, hiring managers that want people to come back multiple times, that want to put candidates on hold because they're not sure that's the right one, um, you know, that have many people interviewing them when they are on site or they're, you know, saying, I'm busy, bring this person back. And obviously this is changing with the changing talent marketplace, but what, what can a recruiting leader do when that kind of behavior is prevalent and the paradigm is pretty much the hiring manager is the customer and he or she is always right? Well, you know, and, and I don't want to put all this on the hiring manager. Um, as you know, because we could, we, someone could take away from this conversation that, you know what, it's the hiring manager's fault. I think what a recruiting leader can do, and it gets back to what you were just talking about, data, is make sure that their team is walking into that first, and I would say most important meeting with the hiring manager, an intake meeting, uh, and whether it's whether it's a, a quick phone call um, or or this is more of an executive level search, so it's, a, it's an intensive face-to-face meeting, the recruiter has to, has to walk into that meeting with data. So for example, um, hiring managers, if, you know, without any additional information, um, if they're trying to make an important hire, they, they may want to see five candidates. But if the rec- this may be a very difficult hire, and the recruiter has to walk into that meeting with enough knowledge about the marketplace to be able to describe what the likelihood is of finding one candidate um, and especially uh, and probably manage, uh, certainly manage with the hiring manager, you know, how many filters are we going to put on these candidates? Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, so that, that so the, the, the recruiter has to be a, a very solid advisor walking into that meeting with data, with discipline, with, you know, with the the, uh, process knowledge to be able to say, you know, I'm going to walk out of the intake meeting with a a time frame within which um, I believe I can deliver the candidate uh, that we're looking for. And, and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a commitment from the hiring manager up front as to some dates interviewing that we can and and the interview team and set everything in place up front so setting that all you know agreeing and setting expectations with the hiring manager that's on the recruiter honestly um yeah it it is and we we, it does and we hear a lot of recruiters um who say the hiring managers won't give me the time to do an intake um, they what we hear a lot more frequently, which really puzzles me, and I don't know if you agree with this, that we hear this more frequently, is that managers are not, it's harder to get the manager to do a debrief. Um, the recruiters say, yeah, I'll do an intake. I, I don't think it's with as much rigor as what you just talked about, which in and mm-hmm. of itself is a good lesson, but they seem really frustrated with their inability to get managers to sit and do a debrief. Do you, I know you think that's a really important step. I, I do. And I think, um, yeah, I would guess that left to their own devices that 
50 percent or more of hiring managers would would not say, "Hey, could we do a debrief?" Um, you know, I, I think most, given the right explanation about the advantages from a recruiter, would agree to do the debrief. But let's face it; I mean, hiring managers one they don't, you know, just like all of us, uh, you know, they they're pressed for time. They don't have yep. extra time, and they and they're more often than not confident enough to say, you know what, I've seen what's out there. Um, I've interviewed the candidates. I've probably gotten some input. I would have gotten in, input from the hiring team, from others, that, and I can make the call. But that doesn't, you know, at the end of the day, if they, if, if a recruiter helps them understand that, look, um, you know, I want to deliver a hire that you're going to be happy with, not just when we make the offer, not just on day one, but six months, 12 months down the road, mm-hmm. then this debrief uh, process is, is going to be one of, the, one of the parts of the process that ensures that happens. Then they'll go along with it. Then they'll, if they understand what the value is, right. the step, they'll go through it. If, if a hiring manager does not, if, if a recruiter can't explain the value in each one of the steps uh, that they're taking uh, a hiring manager through in the recruiting process, then it becomes, it can be assumed to be administrative. And that's always a bad thing. Yep. And I think this goes right back to the initial question, how many recs can a recruiter reasonably hold and maybe I'm trying too hard to make this like a circle of a journey but it feels like if there's not certain rigor in the process like really disciplined intake meetings debrief meetings in addition to other process steps the role of the hiring managers how does interviewing work how many times are people bringing coming back how well is the screening um then it just makes the whole process more inefficient, time-consuming, and ultimately, uh, you can't you can't do as much with what you've got. So your rec load might be high, but it's going to be a painful, um, difficult process um, yeah. from any of these pieces. Yeah, and and there's another angle to this whole workload thing, which. Um, which is more probable, I think, in the purview of the of the recruiting organization itself, and that's you know what's the strategy for execution? So, um, you know, do I want each one of my if I let's say I've got ten recruiters, do I want each one of my ten recruiters to handle all of the positions that a particular hiring function has within my company, or do I want to Specialize. Um, how do I, you know, it, it, and it obviously depends on what the facts are, but from a workload standpoint, from a requisition uh, workload, if the, if I, the more hiring managers I kind of am supporting, the that that burns up time. So if if I'm if I've got a situation where I can support one hiring manager and that would take up, you know, all of my time, then I'm going to mm-hmm. be much more efficient than if I'm supporting five hiring managers. The same holds true on things like different geographies, um, different job types. 
So understanding what the work of the recruiting organization is and how that should be parsed out to recruiters along all those different um, kind of metrics, number of functions supported, number of hiring managers supported, levels recruited for, those are um, important strategic decisions for a recruiting organization, and they're, they're going to have a direct impact on the workload, that on right. the workload that a recruiter can handle. Right. Yeah, and I think we can bring it home with, um, to your point, uh, the, the rec load calculator that we developed that shows five external factors and 20 internal factors, and all of them are weighted, and the idea is for a recruiter, a recruiting leader, HR leader, to kind of quickly go through and rate, is this a strength of our business, the employment brand, um, the process efficiency, or is it a liability? And it's not meant to be an exact science, but I see the power of this being around having conversations. And um, rather than going to the well and saying, we need more recruiters, we have too many recs, really looking at this strategically to say, Oh, here, there's branding issues, there's process issues, there's job mix, um, there's talent, the, the workforce issues, um, geography, and then really having a more database conversation about how can we do more with the assets that we have. And again, just as a reminder for everybody, if you want to uh, download the recruiter workload calculator, you can go to our website, Talent Growth advisors.com and um, you'll see it under resources this is fun tom i could do this with you all day long i know it we're gonna have to do this more often that sounds like a great place for us to wrap up linda and tom thank you for lending us your expertise in this discussion thank you thank you it's fun And thank you for listening. As you heard Linda mention, you can find that recruiter workload calculator on their website. That's talentgrowthadvisors.com. If you have any questions that we didn't cover today, you can send them our way. Just email us at marketing at peoplescout.com or you can find us on social media. Just search People Scout on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Now, to make sure you don't miss an episode, visit our blog and subscribe to our feed on iTunes. If you enjoy our podcast, please rate and review. Talking Talent is a People Scout production. Music by Sound Design through Shutterstock.